0: Welcome back to the Wellness Talks, our monthly series where we meet with subject matter experts from across UF and UF Health to learn about more about the latest in their field. Today we have with us Dr. Joe Munson to talk with us about suicide prevention. We understand that this is a heavy topic and it may cause some feelings to arise if you've known someone who's experienced this or if you yourself have experienced some of these feelings before. Dr. Munson is a licensed mental health counselor and serves as a, as a director of clinical services at UFL Psychiatric Hospital, he oversees the services provided by case management, counseling, occupational therapy, recreational therapy, and serves as a member of the senior leadership team. Dr. Munson has over 20 years' experience specializing in crisis intervention, suicide prevention, and inpatient treatment, to name a few areas. Notably, Dr. Munson is published in the Rural Litage International Handbook of Clinical Suicide Research for his research on post-traumatic growth in survivors of suicide. Dr. Munson also currently serves on the board of directors for the Mental Health Coalition of North Central Florida, Gainesville Pier Respite, and the Alachua County uh, Friends of the Crisis Center. Thank you so much, Dr. Munson, for being here and welcome. Um, We're so very excited to to speak with you um, on this this topic. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work, your research as it ties
1: to the topic for today? Sure, my pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. I think this is a very important topic, like you said, in you know September being uh, Suicide Prevention Month and having more awareness about it. Definitely uh, glad to do it. Um, you know, so working at the the psychiatric hospital, which if if you all don't know where we are, we're not on main campus. We're actually by uh, Interstate off of 39th Avenue. We have a a standalone facility with 81 beds, and and really part of it is to be able to meet people's needs when they're in crisis. You know, this is sometimes people's you know, we're, you know, the worst moments of their life, but it's the opportunity to really turn it around and, and get people pointed in the right direction. And so with suicide prevention and intervention, a lot of that is being able to help people turn their life around when they're at a pivotal moment of literally life and death. Yes. Um, so I really feel like the work that I'm doing right now, helping helping my staff really help patients and people when they're in, in uh, kind of desperate moments and, and getting people back on track. So that's uh, certainly, certainly I think a very uh, important important thing to do right now. Absolutely. It is definitely um, a
0: very important subject and and topic to discuss. And I'm I'm, I'm very appreciative of you being here with us to to share your expertise and knowledge. Um, So suicide is a major public health concern. And according to the National Institute of Health, it is often preventable, even though it can be complicated and tragic. I wanted to kind of get your feedback on that statement, uh, that being preventable, even though it could be complicated and tragic?
1: In your yeah, experience. I mean, I think those are two really good words to kind of describe it. I mean, complicated and tragic is really sums it up in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, suicide really is, is complicated. It's not always one thing. It's rarely ever one, just one thing. Um, sometimes we can kind of identify something, you know, afterwards that, oh, this was this was a big kind of impactful thing that, that kind of led towards it, but it's usually accumulation of multiple things. Um, and, and gosh, it really is tragic because I think there is aspects that are preventable um, I mean, that being said, you know, we, you can recognize it, you can have great, you can intervene, you can do all the right things, um, but it's still also ultimately a personal choice um, by someone who's in, who's in a really crisis state and not always necessarily thinking straight. Um, and so someone could still die by suicide, even though you did a- absolutely everything right. Um, but most of the time, if you can recognize it in advance, you can absolutely prevent it. So um, again, that aspect of it, it's very, it's probably more prevalent than it should be for certainly. Um, the people close to that individual has the ability to make an impact and to be able to help with prevention, um, but certainly the death is, is tragic. Absolutely, absolutely. And as
0: I was doing kind of research before our wellness talk today, I I did see some like the uh, National Institute of Health and other websites who talk about this subject um, really try to differentiate different key terms. So there was a differentiation between suicide and suicide attempt. And I wanted to kind of uh, ask you kind of how would you define these terms and are there other key terms that we should be aware of as we go through our talk?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, su- suicide is certainly the, the de- death of taking one's own life, right? And so there's terminology around that. Uh, completed suicide, died by suicide, death by suicide. Um, we try to stay away from words like successful suicide, because I never think there is a successful suicide. I mean, that it's never a, a thing we want to celebrate or you know things of that nature and we try to stay away from commit suicide right commit has a kind of a connotation of criminal justice or crime or something of that nature so it kind of has this this um connotation of, of that they did and certainly it's not a good thing they did right but we don't want it to damn it any more than it already is and so uh dying by suicide or completion of a suicide certainly more uh, reasonable and then really an attempt is 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 uh, an effort towards someone trying to take their own life, um, so you know someone taking an overdose of pills that does not die by suicide is just one example of a, a suicide attempt. Um, and then just a kind of a couple of other terms, maybe like survivor of suicide so survivor of suicide really just means so when a person dies by suicide, the people left behind are the survivors. Okay. So it's not necessarily the survivor of like, I had a suicide attempt and now I'm a survivor of suicide, you're what's considered an attempt survivor, okay. uh, a suicide attempt survivor, whereas someone that dies by suicide, the people around them, family, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, those would be considered um, survivors of suicide.
0: Okay, that was, that's uh, good to know, because I've heard some of those terms before, like successful suicide and committed suicide, um, kind of um, in, in casual, you know, terms, and and actually, I may have actually heard it on TV and maybe in the news sometimes, especially the committed suicide yeah. um, or in, in obituaries as well. So I'm, it's glad to know that those terms are not no longer being used and the, the terminology is kind of being updated with that as well. I um, so I wanted to kind of jump right into the, the subject of suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some kind of warning signs uh, that, you know, the of, of someone who's maybe undergoing extreme emotional distress um or tragedy um kind of what are some of the risk factors associated with that as well
1: right so um so there's a differentiation between risk factors and warning signs and i'll kind okay. of start with risk factors because it's they they're different um, so like a risk factor would be something that places us at greater risk of this which would be dying by suicide so one of the largest risk factors is actually a mental illness okay you know some of the data behind it says you know not 90% of people that die by suicide you could relatively assume that they had a mental illness, whereas 10 people, 10% would not. So it could be because of a medical problem or because of uh, impulsivity or something that was not related to having a mental illness. Um, So not everyone that dies by suicide has a mental illness, um, but they could also have uh, a family history of someone that died by mental illness or excuse me, died by suicide. That could be a risk factor if they previously attempted suicide in the past. That really actually increases their, their risk factor of, of dying by suicide. Um, uh, severe pain, something of that nature. Like if you can imagine people that are really constant chronic, chronic and severe pain um, can place people at just getting risk. It doesn't, yeah. Does it equate, equate to? It just means there's a higher likelihood that this is a possibility. Sure. Um, but again, possibility doesn't mean that probability. Right. It's exactly potential. Um, so things like that are just a couple examples. Um, whereas like warning signs would be like things that we would notice. Okay. You know, you and I sitting here talking, I would never know if you've attempted suicide before in the past or if you have a family history of someone dying by suicide. There's just no way. But if, from a warning sign standpoint, I could potentially recognize that you may appear depressed or you may appear Uh, with rage or or not just being angry, but really the rage aspect of going beyond angry and and, uh, kind of to that level. Uh, Hopelessness is a real big kind of uh, warning sign. If you can recognize that someone is without hope um, and not just, you know, hope for the day or hope for this or hope for that, but really just hope about life overall. Um, Hope of, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no way I'm going to get out of this. Um, Sometimes you can recognize when people are in pain, and that can certainly also be a, a warning sign as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also see changes in behavior. I think changes for me is, is a real p- pretty big indicator. You know, if someone is really outgoing and engaging and smiling, and then now they're really withdrawn and they're not really wanting to be around people and kept keeping to themselves a lot more, that it's a it's a it's a warning sign of cause that gives me you know an idea that I probably need to at least approach someone or to acknowledge it or to, to, to have pause. Okay. Um, and again, it's one of those things that it's, it's never just one thing, you know, you know, Absolutely. people do have bad days and they can appear, you know, sad or upset or frustrated. And, and that's human emotion. So it's natural. Um, but, you know, someone is, is depressed for long periods of time, and they're withdrawn from people and giving away their possessions and, you know, things of that nature. It gives us a little bit more ideas. Again, it's a behavioral kind of recognition like if you kind of equate it to if you're driving down the street and you see a stop sign your indication is to stop right It, it tells you think something maybe that you should do and so when we see someone that has a change of behavior to that nature it should cause us to pause to stop to be able to have some sort of action some sort of
0: thought. okay. And in, in terms of uh, some of the risk factors you mentioned, the the someone experiencing uh, intense pain, um, I would assume that that would include both physical and mental um, mental health. Yeah, that's as a well.
1: point for sure. Yeah, I mean, psycho- psychological pain is is a real legitimate thing that people struggle with, and it's um, can it can really cause people to to having those those decisions, those contemplations of can I can I continue to live this way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, you're exactly right. Physical pain and, you know, people with chronic pain, again, with even without a mental illness um, can really be extremely challenging.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's completely understandable as well. Uh, The other uh, question in terms of the warning signs, as you were as you're speaking um, or listing the different warning signs that maybe um, someone could identify. It seemed to me that uh, as if those were more likely to be identified by someone who who knows a person going through it. So it wouldn't be. Um, I guess just you and I interacting for you know, 30 minutes and me being able to identify this, I may, I may say, oh, maybe he's, you know not interacting well, but I wouldn't be able to see kind of the trends. Is that a true statement or to to assumption to make rather?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I, I feel like personally that those that know the individual more intimately have the best opportunity to intervene. You know? And that's, that's the hope is that when you have enough people that know the warning signs, they know risk factors, They're close enough to the individual, and we have enough people that have that awareness, we can start connecting the dots. Um, It's hard. It's hard for strangers to really to kind kind of know on brief interactions unless something is really observant. I mean, the other kind of warning sign certainly is the the verbalization of suicidal ideation or the currently making a threat or something of that nature, which is really overt. Um, But that would certainly be a very strong warning sign if someone is making a verbal or a uh, written or text or a email, something like that, would be very overt. Absolutely, yeah. Um,
0: and another training session that I had, um, I, um, uh, the, the trainer was telling us that if someone were to start giving away some of their most valued possessions, just randomly without any cause, that that could also serve as a, as a warning. I wanted to see if, uh, your your thoughts on that statement as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, it's definitely, uh, there's, there's some revel revelance, excuse me, uh, it's relevant. And it's also, there's some factual aspects to it. Um, again, it's also, it's not just one thing, you know, it's kind of a mixture of multiple things that it could be. I mean, there's, uh, one of my, one of my mentors always used to kind of give this example of, there was a time where his, his, uh, his grandmother, you know, that was getting very elderly and, and, and whatnot, and was starting to give away some of the things that were really, really valuable and important to her. And, um, And he kind of had that conversation of, you know, I I know what you're giving me is really important to you and really valuable. And sometimes when people are contemplating suicide, they start giving away these possessions and just wondering if that's one of the thoughts that you're having. And, and, uh, and she said, no, but thank you for asking. Okay. And so it's one of those things of like, there's no harm, you know, in in kind of checking it out, but it was on the radar, right? It's it's one of those things of like, you may not get to see very many warning signs. You may only get to get a glimpse of something. I'm but sure. if you can take one of those things and then just check it out, um, have the conversation, start a conversation, doing it in a very kind of caring and compassionate way, where it's kind of like "tell me more" I'm type sure. of thing. I'm I'm just checking in. I care about you, I'm concerned about you. Just want to check in about this and and giving it some context, um, so that is kind of not just out of the blue. You know, he was kind of saying, you know, sometimes this is what happens when people start considering this, and just wanted to ask you if you're something you're thinking about. Um, so I always thought that was just a real good, just kind of a smooth example of of how to be able to approach the the topic. No, I I really like that example. I think it's a beautiful example of
0: showing someone that you care and that also a good way to approach that message in a a very smooth way, like you mentioned. Um, Thank you for sharing that. It's a really good example. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in terms of, uh, we've talked about some of the risk factors. We've talked about some of the warning signs. Um, So what does prevention look like? in from the perspective of the, the individual experiencing this em- emotional pain um, or psychological pain, and then also the, the, the person who um, is the caring individual who wants to help. So and it's a two-part question. So um, how does prevention look from those perspectives?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think certainly the first part is a lot more challenging, right? Like for the individual to, to make their own kind of prevention, self-prevention. Um, I mean, I think you have to have some level of awareness uh, on, the, on the front end, right, of, of being able to, to recognize that, hey, I'm starting to go into crisis, or things are starting to get bad, uh, and so maybe some willingness to do something about it. Um, I always encourage people, you know, if, if you're struggling, you're stressed, you're, you're having a, a tough time, go see a therapist, um, you know, go, go at least speak with your, your general physician and say, this is what I'm going through. Uh, what recommendations do you have? I mean, that's kind of the best form of prevention is to do something about it while you still feel like you have some control to do that. Um, Cause part of the challenge with, with, once you have starting having some suicidal ideations is that it's not, really, uh, it's not really linear thinking. It's not really straightforward. It's not rational in a lot of ways. You know, it's a lot of negative type thoughts that go in your head about yourself and about your ability to be able to cope and survive. Um, so when you're in that part, you're pretty deep, you're pretty deep into a hole and and it and it's really hard to pull yourself out. And that's why it's so important for the people around you to be willing to have those conversations. Um, and that is a big part of it. so so people having number one an, an understanding and awareness of of uh, what does it look like? You know, those warning signs and those risk factors are, are certainly huge because like we talked about, the people that are closest to us have the best ability to know when we're when we're going through those changes, like, uh like sleep is another kind of warning sign right of someone that's either sleeping a whole lot or not sleeping at all uh most people that are you know colleagues or people at work or or they may not know it unless you verbalize it and you may say, oh oh talk about not being able to sleep for a long time that's a warning sign should i check that out what's going on um certainly friends and family would probably have a better idea um but i guess on the other side of it is the more transparent you can be as an individual to talk about the issues that you may be happening having going on um, is an opportunity for someone to be able to 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 ask you some of those questions or to be able to to have a conversation with you so it really takes you know an awareness aspect a willingness to have a conversation a willingness to listen you know and and that's sometimes really hard is is for people to to listen to someone that they care about struggling And and I think sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, I could I could see that being a
0: difficult aspect, um, but it is it is very true. I think one of the main takeaway messages that w- from today's meeting is is that it's not it's never just one risk factor. It's never just one warning sign. So if if someone you know is having a bad few days, um, that in itself may be a warning sign, but you know alone wouldn't be kind of an indication of uh, you know someone who's having suicide, suicidal thoughts. Um, but you know again going back to that example that you provided, it could be an opportunity to just show that person you care, regardless of whether they're you know, are just having a bad few days or it's something a lot more serious than that.
1: Yeah, and um, one of the kind of nice things about that is that people remember those those type of, of actions or those reach outs. And I would say like, you know, that really doesn't do harm. And actually, in a lot of ways, it does a lot of good for kind of the future focus. So if we kind of take that example of, of prevention and, and someone saying, you know, hey, I've been noticing this, and I'm wondering if you're having those Having thoughts of suicide or thinking about killing yourself or ending your life however you want to phrase it in a very kind of caring non-judgmental way um the person may say no i'm not i'm just kind of just going through xyz but i you know I appreciate you asking in their mind they're going to put that in the back of your head of like well, joe was willing to be able to ask a really strong kind of intense question about something very personal and he really cares about me and so maybe in the future Uh, And I know he's not afraid to talk about that type of subject and hear those type of things, so if I am feeling that way, maybe I'll reach back out to Joe because I know he's a safe person I know he's someone that cares about me. He's someone that's willing to listen to something that's probably not going to be very pleasant or easy to hear or easy to talk about. Um, So he may be a lifeline to me in the future, and it may not be that direct or linear, you know, as as far as I'm just kind of a thought process, but it gets stuck in there and so that person is seen as a resource.
0: Well, following kind of along, along that same line of that thought process, um, if someone were to come and say, you know, um, you've, you've approached them and you, they, you've asked them and they said, yes, I am having thoughts or I'm considering this or I'm going through a tremendous amount of uh, emotional pain. Um, what are some action steps that one could take to help alleviate some of that? Yeah, so
1: if, again, let's go back to listening. Listening is sometimes our best tool. Um, you know, we're, we're first wanting to make it go away, to stop it, right? Like that's our first kind of impulse is like, oh my gosh, no, you can't be suicidal. You can't kill yourself because we care so much about the individual and we don't want to see that happen. But we know that, you know, with acts, aspects of catharsis and actually the ability for the suicidal mind to process what's going on, they need to be able to talk. And let me give you kind of a great example. So if you've ever written a speech in your life, right, you're writing it down and you're like, I'm going to give this presentation on paper. It it sounds amazing. You know, you're reading it to yourself in your head, in your head. It sounds great. And then once you actually start to say it out loud, you start to find the flaws Mm -hmm. and you start to say, you know, well, this doesn't really come off very good or wow, this I should you know, I should have practiced this a little bit more. Right. So there's a big difference between saying it in our head and saying it out loud. And so, giving the person an opportunity to say these things out loud actually gives them the ability for them to hear it in a different way. And so, they may actually start to change, almost change their mind to some extent, by their brain being able to process it in a different way. So, where it's like, well, this doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense, and which is true, because suicide in itself doesn't make sense. And so there's alternatives, right? And so being able to verbalize it to someone else and hear it yourself and hear those words come out your mouth can potentially make things a little bit different. The perspective may change a little bit different. Um, It also kind of gives person relief, you know, oh, wow, I was carrying this burden of these thoughts and these ideas and the secret around for such a long time. And now it's a weight that's off my shoulders because now someone else knows. Um, it also allows someone to do something about it. So we'll get to, kind of get to that point of being able to do physically do something about it because the safety aspect is super important. Absolutely. Right. Um, it, but you also have to know like what is their plan. Yes. You know, just knowing they're suicidal is only part of it. Um, they may just be having the thoughts just on their own, and that's that's still okay. That's still that's still a aspect of risk. Um, kind of what we talked about those risk factors, right? Verbalizing suicidal ideation is a risk factor doesn't equate to, to completing suicide but it, again it amps up the risk. Um, someone having a plan actually increases so you talk about a greater risk factor is like um, I'm having thoughts of suicide and then I also am thinking about killing myself through the means of a firearm or, or pills or cutting my wrist. those are all kind of examples of a plan and you know a time frame, a way of doing it, a, a place you know those, those type of things, do I, you know, do I have the access to those means as well? Those are all different parts and those are part of the assessment that okay. someone would wanna do. Again, you, you kinda need to be trained in those type of things. And, and there are training for lay people, which is, which is great. There's things called mental health first aid, which will teach you the warning signs and risk factors and an action plan to be able to really talk with someone about these things and, and what to do about it. Um, but it's, you, know, you don't wanna leave a person alone. You say, oh, okay, well, I'm glad we had to talk about it. Good luck type of thing um, whether it's over the phone or in person you certainly want to connect that person to resources and we're very lucky in Alachua County because we have the Alachua County crisis center which has you know 24-hour phone counselors they have people that can come face to face and talk with people um, certainly via zoom these days a lot of different resources and opportunities to get immediate counseling to get immediate resources uh, connecting maybe that maybe they need to come to the hospital and come to here at, at Chan Psychiatric Hospital and and um, have a couple of days inpatient meeting with physicians and social workers and counselors and, and being able to get a lot of resources really quick. And again, that's an aspect of suicide prevention is safety. Yeah. And so, you know, we certainly offer a safe place. Um, that's one of our main aspects is here is to, to, to prevent suicide and prevent harm, um, whether that be self-neglect or for physical actions towards oneself or someone else. And so uh, having a respite, you know a safe place to be able to do that is an option and so uh, one of the great things is that you know doing it, doing it in a voluntary nation nature gives people the ability to have kind of some control over their treatment and their say and so knowing those resources exist knowing these places exist um helps people kind of maintain some control when they're feeling out of control and so i gave you a lot i know but it's uh <laughs> no i mean I,
0: it's it's great i do want to interrupt because um, I, I thought that were all great uh, resources that you listed at all great points um, for kind of uh, act, action steps that individuals can take. Mm-hmm. The only follow-up question that I had was really, um, when does my role as the caring friend or family member end and me wanting to or needing to talk with um, uh, a, a mental health practitioner or accessing one of these, you know, the crisis center or something like that. So when, when would you recommend that shift begins?
1: Yeah, so I always kind of think of it as a handoff, right? Because you're right, you're exactly right. You don't want to be the end all be all for this individual, right? You can't sit by their side 24 hours a day. You can't, you know, be on call 24 hours a day when things come up. You've got to be able to assist someone. So you've got to really be able to refer them to resources to be able to encourage them to take advantage of these resources, whether it's professional or otherwise. Um, so linking them to a lot of different options. And again, that's kind of where that w- literally a warm handoff happens to who is the next person right now, depending on the immediacy that needs to be able to, to work to help this individual. So you you certainly you can certainly check on them. You can be a um, an individual in their life that, that that helps them and supports them. You just can't be the only person. And so I would certainly say once you once you've identified that they're having suicidal ideation, that's probably a good a good time to really link to those resources in an immediate fashion. Um, Certainly, if they have a plan that really amps it up to where maybe they probably need to be somewhere at a hospital or at a physician's office or a therapist's office. Um, So part of it is depending on the time of the day. Right. Like if it's at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, your resources may be a little more limited. You may need to find a 24 hour resource like the crisis center. Or the Shan Psychiatric Hospital, or Meridian, something of that nature. Um, okay. If it's at you know two o'clock in the afternoon, well, maybe there's some other options that we can walk into a clinic or something of that nature where they can can physically take someone. I mean, there's I hate to say the emergency room because apparently in this day and age, it's, it's never the, the the best thing to do for a mental health emergency is to go to the emergency room because there are places. Um, like the San Psychiatric Hospital that is open 24 hours a day. We have uh, counselors here that will be able to evaluate the person. So for me, that handoff would be, let me walk them in to help walk them into this place, the service that exists. They'll get to talk to a counselor. They can determine, do I need to be in an inpatient facility? They'll talk to me about all my rights. They'll talk about what does it look like? What is it going to be like for me? And then that person can kind of make a decision on what's the best resource to take advantage of. But I I would absolutely encourage a handoff
0: of some sort. Absolutely. You've already mentioned kind of some of the um, uh, treatments, but I wanted to get kind of make sure to to ask this point as a practitioner, um, what are kind of some of the treatment or therapy options that someone could be um, potentially look into or um, could experience?
1: Yeah, so again, I mean, I think you start with the kind of the immediacy aspect right so the the crisis intervention crisis management is certainly the first kind of step right like uh, keeping someone alive is always paramount and so that's always the first step is that safety planning kind of piece of persons in crisis we need to manage the crisis we need to maintain safety so what does that look like and but in general, you know, cognitive behavioral therapies probably work some of the best um, because you're dealing with some of the irrational thinking, you're dealing with uh, mood, mood, and uh, fluctuations and disruptions and, and challenges from that standpoint. And then kind of the behavioral activation that kind of goes with it. And so it's really, it's super effective. Certainly supportive therapies will also work well. Um, it also depends on the individual and what works for them. I've always said as a, as a supervisor of therapists and a therapist myself in the past, Um, you really have to meet individual needs. And so as long as your competencies of the type of therapies that you can do can meet that individual, you've got to flex and you've got to have some ability to be able to adjust to the needs of that individual or refer to someone who can. Um, But I always believe that, you know, some of the cognitive behavioral type therapies or cognitive therapies that that focus on suicide prevention um, usually work, especially in the very beginning. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, um,
0: I I think that that kind of pretty much kind of sums most of the conversation that we wanted to get into today the the final question that I have for you is there anything uh, that we have not covered in today's discussion discussion that you think would be relevant to share either information or resources
1: or uh, links to to more information I mean certainly there's there's a lot of resources out there I mean Alaska County is actually very rich in resources so there's tons of stuff out there I mean you can certainly google Alaska County Suicide Prevention Alaska County NAMI we haven't talked a whole lot about NAMI the National Alliance for Mental Illness They have tons of of resources on their page. I'd probably say start there. They've got an easy kind of tab at the very top. says resources. It gives a lot of community resources. It's a great place to start. Uh, Alachua County Crisis Center, you can call them. They can give you resources. You can go to their website. Tons of resources out there. So it's it's available. Um, The biggest thing I would probably say is like uh, caring for someone is the best thing you can do. Uh, So if you hear something, you see something, um, try to do something because it can certainly save
0: a life. And I think it's a, a, a great place to kind of end our session today. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Munson, um, for your time and, and for, for being here to share with us your expertise. I hope that today's session has been informative and valuable to you and to our campus community. To see all of our other wellness talk sessions, visit UFHR Wellness website at wellness.hr.ufl.edu and navigate to the Wellness Library from the resources tab. Uh, thank you for tuning in and be well.